Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, to the saints who are in Ephesus and are faithful in Christ Jesus, grace to you and peace from God, our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, blessed by be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. Amen. Isn't that amazing? I, I have to confess that I had um, a, a vision into the future. I, I don't claim to be a prophet or the son of a prophet, but I had a vision into the future. Andrea, turn my monitors up a little bit, please. I saw Seth walk down this aisle after taking the offering and give a high five to Chris. And all of a sudden, I was seeing Clint years from now in that, in that young and walking down that aisle. That's, that was a special moment for me and j just between me and the Lord this morning. It's good to have you here. And last week, Todd Dornan, our guest from California, kicked off this series on the book of Ephesians. And I want to continue with that beginning in chapter 1. And this week we're going to talk about who do you think you are? Who do you think you are? Because your identity is very much revealed in the book of Ephesians. Now Ephesians is a bit of an unusual book in one regard, that is, it is not a letter from the Apostle Paul to correct error in the church, to correct heresy, to call upon someone to change their life. Um, you know, we last year we did the book of 1 Corinthians. This year we're doing Ephesus. Very different character to the book. The book of Ephesians is a book of encouragement. It is to encourage by letting you know who you are and what God has done for you. Now, Grant, I worked really hard at trying to find somebody who would agree on the theme of the entire book of Ephesians, and nobody agrees. Well, they don't agree with me, so they're wrong. Um, they all agree that the first half of the book, Todd, is about theology, and the second half is about practical things. Um, but what about read through and read through and read through the book? It's about our new life in Jesus Christ. We are different. He has given us his grace. He has given us new life in him. And he wants us to discover that life. So yes, he spends three chapters revealing that new life and how it came about. And then he spends the, the last three chapters talking about how we need to live that life out, the new life in Jesus Christ. Now, I've already said that in these first two, two and a half verses, that he wants to talk with us about our identity. Who do you think you are? Uh, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by the will of God to the saints who are in Ephesus and are faithful in Christ Jesus, grace to you and peace from God our Father, and the Lord Jesus Christ. Spiritual blessings in Christ. Blessed 
be the God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. Now, who do you think you are? Paul begins that. of Christ Jesus by the will of God. The word apostle is an unusual word. We usually think about the 12 apostles, and then we get confused when Paul comes along, and he's an apostle as well. And if you really read carefully, you'll find out somewhere along the way that Barnabas and others are called apostles. The word apostle means one who is sent. He is a messenger an ambassador to represent someone else or to carry a message from someone else. An apostle, that is someone who is sent away, he is sent. By the way, that's the word that we use for missionary. The, the word missionary does not occur in the Bible at all. Is that shocking? It instead occurs as the word apostle. Paul and Barnabas were sent away by the church of Antioch, not sent away as to get rid of them, but sent on a message, or sent on a, with a message, with a, a ministry to perform as they took the gospel of Jesus Christ into the regions beyond. Now, at this point, when Paul writes as an apostle of Jesus Christ, he's been a Christian for better than 30 years. And now, he is no longer planting churches as a missionary church planter. He planted churches all over the Mediterranean coastline in, in various different countries in Asia and in Europe. But now he's sitting in house arrest in a Roman jail, and he is writing back to those that he has influenced. He was the church planter that, Karen, that, that planted the church at Ephesus. He's writing back to, the, to those that he won to the Lord, that he planted into a church. He said he didn't baptize them because, or he said that about the church at Corinth. Paul wasn't big on baptizing. He was big on winning people to Christ. Amen? We need to be big on winning people to Jesus Christ. He wrote back to them because he had a special relationship with them. He was a father to them. I appreciated last week some of our boggers. Uh, do you like that I called you that this morning, boggers? Well, maybe not. Anyway, um, you can forgive me later. Uh, some of our kids who went to the bog got to hear my good friend, uh, Rashad Cunningham. Rashad was with us last Sunday in the services, and I, I know he did a great job of preaching the, the messages at the camp our kids from faith that I was one of his mentors. That's a special relationship. You understand that that was the relationship that Paul had with the church at Ephesus. He had a special care for them. And Gail, he wanted them to understand who they are in Christ. He wanted to encourage them. And I wonder who in your life has been, has so impacted your life that they will always have your ear and have your respect. Think back to that Sunday school teacher who first shared the gospel of Jesus Christ with you. Think back to that pastor 
who loved you and cared so much for you that even today you have a lot of respect for them. And if they spoke to you, you would listen to what they had to say. He was an apostle. He was an apostle of Jesus Christ. An apostle is one who is sent by somebody. Paul was called as a special apostle of Jesus Christ by Christ himself as he appeared to him on the road to Damascus in the book of Acts. He said, I'm an apostle of Jesus Christ. I was trying to remember, um, it, it's been said recently about surrendering to the ministry. And I told my story of how I surrendered to preach at the ABA meeting in our World Missions Focus, how God spoke to my heart and called me to be a preacher of the gospel of Jesus Christ. It has been my prayer since day one of beginning to pastor this church that God would reach down by His Spirit and that Jesus would speak to the heart of some young man in this congregation and would call him to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. If he does that, he will not be an apostle of Brother Lynn. He need not be an apostle, should not be an apostle of his family because we've always wanted to have a preacher in our family. Somebody else said, no, I want my kids to have real jobs. An apostle of Jesus Christ called by God and sent by God. That's why he says, by the will of God. One of the things, if you have, if God's spoken to you about an area of service, maybe you're a young man and God has spoken to your heart during the bog to surrender your life. It is a surrender. You give up your will. You give up your plans. You go where God wants you to go and you knuckle under, you bend your knee, you give up your heart, you change your mind to the will and the mind of God. Where are those today who are willing to hear the call of God and obey it, to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ to a world that is perishing in sin? Who do you think you are? Listen, if you think that God is calling you, maybe you're a young lady. You say, well, I can't preach. No, but you can sure share the gospel and you can share in the ministry in some mission field somewhere, some church plant, like our own Madison sitting back there, who served on a church plant in Sun Prairie, Wisconsin, and is now moving on. Praise God for those young men and those young ladies who surrender to the will of God and follow it. Madison, did I call you Foster or Watkins? I, I, I still call you that little girl who grew up next door. Who do you think you are? Maybe God has called you to be a messenger of God. Wherever you're working, not on the job, you're a messenger of Jesus Christ. You may be the only Jesus anybody there sees. Wherever you're serving, wherever you're working, in your neighborhood, in your school, you need to be a messenger of Jesus Christ. And remember, you have a message that is life-changing 
the life-changing gospel of Jesus Christ. Who do you think you are? Well, he says, to the saints who are in Ephesus. Well, no, I, I was watching a Blue Bloods the other night. I'm a Blue Blood nut. I gotta, I'll confess, I, I love Blue Bloods. And, and they handed one of the, the guys the St. Christopher medal that's supposed to keep him safe. I don't think that thing, Mike, will stop a bullet. Uh, saints. What's a saint? And, and people have a weird idea of what saints are. And... You, you have to perform the miracle. You have to have been elected by somebody else, chosen by the church to be a saint. That is not a biblical definition. That's not what Paul is talking about. Paul uses the word saint, and the word saint means somebody who is made holy by God. Yes, it means a holy person. It means holy. It also means being set apart, separated for the service of God. But we are saints. You're a saint. You say, not me, man. I, I can't live up to that. God will live up, live up to that in you and through you. It's not that you have to be right enough. Well, listen, if you're here and you have an idea that you're going to be so good and so great that you'll just be good enough to make it into heaven. You're wasting your time. You'll never make it. None of us will ever be holy enough. Every one of us are sinners. We're either lost sinners headed to hell. Or we are saved sinners forgiven and cleansed by the blood of Jesus Christ. But we're called saints because... If Christ is in you, although the body is of sin, the spirit of life is in you because of righteousness. Looks to me like part of that verse is missing. But the spirit of God is in us. When we believe the spirit of God indwells in us, instills the righteousness of Christ in us, and all of a sudden we're made holy. Something we would never be on our own. You're sitting there thinking, I'll never be good enough. And you're right. But God, He will wash your sin away. He'll put His Spirit in you so that when He looks at you, He sees His righteousness, the righteousness of the Spirit of God because of the Holy Spirit of God in you. Listen, saints are just believers and followers of Jesus Christ. That is the term that is used in the Bible for people who have been saved, people who have followed the Lord in baptism, people who have joined together into the fellowship of the body of Christ to serve the Lord and to follow Him. If you say, me a saint? Yep. If you are a believer and a follower of Jesus Christ, in Him you also trusted after you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation. This, you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. 
Todd, we used to use all kinds of illustrations about being sealed of, of the Spirit. And I grew up in the hills of Alabama, and most of that was canning jars, I thought about, about, about sealing. But I understand, Todd, that that's talking about the seal of someone of authority, where they melt the wax and they seal whatever the, the document or whatever they're sealing. They melt the wax and they take that so that no one has the authority to open it. Listen to me just for a minute. If you've always struggled with security of the believer, once you're saved, you're always saved. Let me tell you something. When you are sealed by the Spirit of God, no one, not you, not the devil, no one has the authority to break that seal. God will keep you safe and God will keep you saved until He comes again and takes you with Him. We are sealed by the Holy Spirit of become a believer and a follower of Jesus Christ. We are set apart by God. For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh, but those who live according to the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. We are set apart. You know, sometimes we have an identity crisis. We're surrounded by the world. We think we're supposed to look like the world, act like the world, and be the world, and love the world. The Bible says, love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. We have an identity crisis when we don't realize that God made us to be different. Now, I, I, got, I laugh at myself sometimes when I'm doing sermon preparation because all these crazy ideas come into my head. You better be glad that they, you don't hear all of them. But I, I thought about in uh, Jenny and Kenya, the, the, you're a Christian of a certain denomination if you put on a white outfit. Uh, Don, I'm sorry, but it looks like all those black people are a member of the KKK. I mean, they've got on a white sheet and, and a white hat, and you're one denomination if you have a green cross on it, and you're a different denomination if you, if you have a red cross on it. They've got an identity crisis. It's not about what kind of uniform you're wearing. It's not the no makeup. Uh, by the way, it's not flip-flops. and It's not a uniform. It's how you live and how you deal with everyone around you. We need to understand, man, we're saints of God. Not because we deserve it, but because He made us that way. And we need to live a life serving Him. We've been born again. We've been set apart for God, and that's who you are in Christ. Then he talks about, who do you think you are? He, saints who are in Ephesus and are faithful in Jesus Christ. I thought about faithful. The word faith means believing and trusting. Faithful means you continue believing, living by faith, still following Still obeying. 
I know I put three blanks in one slide. Pam, I'll leave that up there long enough for you to write it. You know, I thought about this, though. In telling that story, Brenda, about how God called us to Africa and we left everything behind. Some of you don't know maybe that we spent 12 years of our lives in Kenya, East Africa. That was a momentous decision to leave and, and to go there. I think about when I surrendered to preach. I've talked this morning about surrendering to preach. And I, I remember when we quit our jobs and moved to seminary and myself sometimes is my faith as great now as it was then I mean I, I was a young guy and I, I went to sleep one night and woke up old I think I told you that my friend said to me that in the Philippines where he worked as a missionary I used to be obviously none of us are getting any younger are we what about our faith is our faith growing you came and you were saved and you joined the church are you still serving are you still following where is your faith now is your faith as great now as it was then what do you do to show God that you love him, that you appreciate the sacrifice that he made. Are you faithful? When Paul wrote to the churches, listen, he called the people saints because he was referring to church members. I'm, I'm grateful for those in the crowd who are saved. Even though you haven't been baptized, you're still saved. You know that. Listen, God wants you to be involved. He wants you to be committed. He wants you, I don't mean in prison, I mean committed to Him. He, he wants you serving Him in the fellowship, a church like this one. And when He writes to saints, He's not just writing to a bunch of saved people. He's talking to those who are saved, set apart, and faithful, serving Him in the Lord's church. That needs to be you. We need you. More than that, you need us. We need each other. You need Jesus. We need you serving Jesus with us. I love my church. Because my church loves Jesus. And together we love on others. Because Jesus loves people. Church members. Listen. You need to come. You need to join with us. Serve with the saints. You say, I'm not a saint. You are if Jesus saved you. And it's time to act like one. Get involved and serve the Lord. Every time I left Australia, I talked about Africa, served in Australia time after time. And every time I left, I asked the church members, will you still be here the next time I come? Because, Kim, I would come like every other year. And I would win people to the Lord. I got to baptize a lot of people in Australia. But then when I would come back again, some would be there. Some would be gone. If I leave you, will you still be here when Jesus comes?
Will you be faithful? I want it on my tombstone. He was faithful. Not necessarily successful, but he was faithful. Who do you think you are? Well, he said to the saints who are in Ephesus. By the way, Grant, it's unusual that that, that phrase is not in all documents, all the manuscripts. And it's because we think, because this letter was written as a circulatory letter. I don't mean chain mail. Ever, ever, ever get a chain letter? It, it was not a chain letter. It was a letter that was written to a church with the understanding that it would be passed from church to church. And because of that, some of the copies that were made did not include the in Ephesus because perhaps marks had been made in the margin that listed some other place. We, we know about a letter to the church at Laodicea, and it's not in the Bible. This was a circulatory letter. And what that means to me is he's talking to them, and he's talking to you, and he's talking to me wherever we are. I mean, Mark, when the letter from Ephesus went to wherever it went, Laodicea or someplace else, then the letter was applicable to them as well. It was not just meant for Ephesus. It is a letter that touches you, whoever you are, wherever you are, if you know Jesus. And wherever you are, you are to be serving God there. Because he has placed you in your unique place. I like it when Don's around because I get a lot of amens that I can actually hear. Some of you say amen like a mouse. And I see lips move, but I don't, I don't hear those mice voices. I, I like feedback. When Don's here, I get... Wherever that is. So he wrote you as a saint in wherever you are. I guess, Don, what I'm saying is I want you to take this message personally. I'm, I've told you before I'm not one of those preachers who says, now don't take this personally. I want you to take it personally as if you were the only one here and God was speaking directly to you. Friend, he puts you reason. And he needs for you to live for him there and to serve in his kingdom to his glory. Then where are you? You are in Christ. He said to the saints who are in Ephesus and are faithful in Christ Jesus. He said, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, by the way, this is from 2 Corinthians chapter 5, but that phrase, in Christ uh, occurs again and again. Charles, I, I wrote down, I forgot where I wrote it, how many times it occurs in the entire book of Ephesians. But it's an incredible number of times. In Christ, in Christ, in Christ. Listen to me. If you ever have an identity crisis, 
and you wonder who you are, just remember, whoever I am, I'm in Christ, and Christ is in me because I trusted Christ as my Savior. In Christ, in Christ, in Christ, the rest of the book We'll talk about the incredible blessing in Christ to be a new creation where old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. You may again say, I don't deserve that. You think all the things that I've done, all the places I've been, how I've failed, how I've stumbled, that's old. Listen, Christ can make your life new. He can come into you, instill His righteousness, lodge His Spirit in your soul. It also says, you're with Him in heavenly places. Now, it, it says, even when we were dead, this is chapter 2, verses 5 and 6. When we were dead in trespasses, He made us alive together with Christ. By grace you've been saved and raised us up together and made us sit together in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Now that's pretty heavy theology. But here's the mystery. Kim, Christ is in us, and because Christ is in us, we are in Him where He is. And He is in heaven. There is a sense in which we're already there. You know, I think about that on the day that I die, and I hope it's not tomorrow. I'm not in any hurry. That day will come, and I know I'm ready. And there's a sense, Karen, that I'm already there in Christ. I don't see it. Sometimes I think I feel it. Sometimes I get homesick for it. But I'm already there, and it's just a blink, and my spirit will be there facing Him looking at Jesus. In Christ, you, you have a place and a presence like you've never imagined. That's who you are in Christ. Well, i got one extra point and one minute to do it. He also says, Blessed be the God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. And you almost missed this. Who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. What blessings do you have? People like to say, I'm too blessed to be stressed. I groan at that sometimes because I don't necessarily feel that. But the truth is, guys, we've been blessed. We have been blessed. Come on, we have been blessed by the grace of God. He has poured out His grace on us. That means unmerited favor. That means the favor of God. Like a father gives favor to his son, God pours out his grace on you. And if you don't know the grace of God that brings salvation, come to him today. He has sufficient grace for all your need and He will pour out His grace on you here today, if you let Him. The second, grace and peace from God to you.
God, Jesus Christ, is our peace. In him, we can know the peace of God, a peace that the world does not understand. And that's who you and I are in Jesus Christ. It's, it's an encouraging letter. And I hope the message is encouraging to you today. The truth is, James, every one of us goes through an identity crisis sometime in our life. You think about, who am I really? Terry, you think about, where am I going? What, what am I to do? Every one of us, Gerald, we sometimes have an identity crisis. My purpose this morning is to remind you who you are in Jesus Christ. And if you don't know that, to lead you to faith and trust in Jesus and service with us in Faith Baptist Church. Let's stand together and bow our heads. Father, I ask for the movement of your spirit in the service today. Lord, I know I was not able to preach the message and I was praying and trusting you to preach through me the message to the hearts of the people that they need to hear. And Lord, I don't know the situation, the identity crisis that everyone is in in this room today, but I know there's someone here that needs you. And I pray that you would draw them by your spirit, draw them to salvation, bring them to trust in you today.